Good morning, Morocco, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jana. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land we're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Now, before we get into the weekly sporting headlines, Jono, you conquered one of your great fears over the weekend <laughs> um, by climbing the Harbour Bridge. Yes, I did. I know you hate heights. How was uh, how was this experience over the weekend? Oh, look, it was overall, I guess, pretty good. Um, I got to say that climbing the Harbour Bridge is once-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm glad that I did it. Am I going to do it again? Probably not. But um, it was. Uh, I would highly recommend it to anybody who's visiting in Australia or here living who has not done it yet. So, no, good on you, Jono. You uh, you overcame <laughs> one of your fears. Now on to skydiving. That's your next one. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> All right, another busy week in sport, Jono. Um, cricket. New Zealand have won the T20 series against Australia three two, as they dominated the deciding in Wellington on Sunday. Australia struggled with a total of eight for one forty two. Black Caps chasing down the total. Quite easily in the end, with opener Martin Aguptal leading the New Zealand team with a top scoring with 71, as New Zealand won by seven wickets and finished with three for 143. So a good series win for the Black Caps over in New Zealand, Jono. Yeah, big win for them. A good series overall. Be really interesting to see how things progress um, if New Zealand can keep this form moving forward. India have defeated England 3-1 in their test series in India after the fourth and final test was again dominated by the ball in in a crazy series. Um, India won the Test match one innings and 35 runs as England were rolled for 135 in the second innings with uh, Indian spinners Patel and Ashwin both taking five wickets. India will now face New Zealand in the final of the World Test Championship later this year, so a good series win for the Indians over, uh, over in India. Yeah, you can either look at this in two ways. Great performance by the Indian cricket team or a really bad performance by the English. Um, but again, New Zealand just in the headlines again no matter what the format is, so quite interesting in that sense. Some big news in the football world out of Scotland. Steven Gerrard has led Rangers to their first Scottish title in 10 years. The, uh, the fans were going nuts over it, even though they weren't allowed into the games. <laughs> um, you could see them on the streets as Celtic could only muster a nil-nil draw against Dundee United over the weekend, meaning Rangers are now the champions. They now will look to finish the season undefeated. So an amazing season for Gerrard and Rangers over in Scotland, Jono. Yeah, it's, it's amazing all up. I mean... They have such a history, that club, and to see somebody who's been so historic in football in general to be leading them to that as well is, is quite amazing. Um, and it's a great day for football when you see those big clubs regain their stop, their top spot. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can actually go undefeated. Um, we'll we'll kind of keep an eye on things. Yeah, great news for Rangers, and they've still got the yeah. Europa League as well to fight. True. So uh, could be still some more uh, trophies on the way. In the Premier League, Manchester United, <laughs> we've uh, won the bragging rights after beating Manchester City and breaking their 21-game winning streak. Uh, we beat City 2-0. Um, the lead is still 11 points at the top, so Manchester yeah. City still comfortably sitting at the top. But some, uh, I guess some good bragging rights and, and great for the fans to enjoy a win over City uh, for Manchester United. Yeah, I think it was actually really important for United this win. It, you know, Of course, it doesn't really do too much in terms of winning the Premier League, but it does help their, you know, solidify their case to get a top-four spot. Um, and like you said, I mean, honestly, you don't lose to your rivals. And that's just that's just what they did is they went out there and they played. And they played a great game against Man City. Um, you know, I was shocked in a sense um, that, that City didn't come out a little bit harder. Um, I would have thought that they would have put a couple more opportunities in the back of the net. But um, overall, really good result for United. Happy for them. And um, hopefully they can kind of continue and make sure that they solidify their top uh, top four spot. Tottenham Hotspur and uh, especially Gareth Bale mm. all of a sudden... Uh 
Really coming to form, and they defeated Crystal Palace 4-1. Bale scored twice, and Captain Harry Kane also scored twice. So, uh, Tottenham Hotspur all of a sudden playing some good football, Jono, and, and scoring goals. Yeah, might do a little bit of catch-up here. Maybe, um, hopefully we can see the old Bale come back. I think everybody will really want to see that. And um, it's been some great form in the last couple games. We'll see if he can kind of continue, stay healthy. That's the biggest thing, I think, for him. But, um, yeah, good to see him playing, playing at that level again. Really, really good for the game. In contrast, Liverpool, mm. what is going on over Anfield? They have now lost <laughs> six in a row at home after being defeated 1-0 by Fulham. In contrast, a massive result for Fulham. They yeah. now are level on points with Brighton, who's sitting in 17th spot and only a point behind Newcastle in 16th. So Fulham um, are really you know, they're looking good to maybe survive uh, this Premier League and obviously dragging a few other teams into the uh, relegation battle down there, Jono. Exactly. You have somebody who's playing for everything that they possibly can in Fulham, um, you know, really putting their heart on the line. And then you have somebody who just looks kind of deflated in that sense in Liverpool. And it's kind of been the case for the last couple of games for them. So it's really good to see the result for Fulham um, and Liverpool struggles just keep on showing. And it just looks like, like I said, they just seem deflated on the pitch and like they just don't want it as much as the other teams right now. Yeah, an amazing slide of form for Liverpool mm. and, and interesting. They've got uh, Champions League this week, so we'll see yep. if they can uh, get through that tie against Leipzig. In the A-League, probably the biggest story to come out over the weekend is Melbourne victory. They were smashed 6-0 by neighbours at Melbourne City. Um, today, the fans turned up at the uh, training ground. Yeah. Uh, banners were out. It's, it's a lot of unrest at that club. Probably the biggest, well, most well-supported club in the A-League um, in Australia. And they're sitting dead last at the moment. So some struggles for Melbourne victory at the moment, Jono. Yeah, we've been saying this kind of from the start about this start of the A-League season, how it's kind of, you know, it hasn't really gone to what people think would be the plan. But um, this just shows even more so that, uh, you know, you have a club in terms of the, the size um, and, as you said, the, the popularity uh, struggling that much at the moment. So it just adds to a little bit more craziness of the A-League. So, like I said, from a neutral perspective, I'm loving it. Um, I love seeing these kind of things. But, uh, but, of course, they need to start turning things around rather soon. Definitely. In some other results over the weekend, Brisbane Raw and Sydney FC played at a competitive one-all draw, while Wellington Phoenix upset the Perth Glory 3-0 in Wollongong. Well, Adelaide United won their third game on the trot with a 2-1 win over Newcastle Jets. All this, still Central Coast remain top, um, but obviously they've got a game against MacArthur FC coming up this week, so that'll be a top-of-the-table clash. Um, interesting to see what happens there. NBA All-Stars today. Team LeBron has defeated Team Durant. Again, a high-scoring game, 170 yep. to 150, so not much defense going on in these games as usual. Um, a good showcase of, of basketball again, Jono, and obviously uh, great to see the... Uh, Profits and, and some of the games going to some charities, both for Team LeBron and Team Durant at the end of the game. Yeah, it's a, it's a good change of format that they've been doing in the last couple of years in terms of making it more of a high-profile charity game, um, doing the picks where you know this year was LeBron and Durant choosing their own team, so it changes it up from that East versus West. Um, overall, the game was really good. Of course, that's what it is, high-scoring uh, games, shots from half-court, dunks, this, that. Um, it was it was a really good game. I, I do wish that um, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons could have been there. I know they had to uh, pull out late due to the COVID protocol and possible contact tracing. Um, but overall, good game. Good to see Team LeBron go. And um, Giannis just uh, dominating in that game. And winning the All-Star MVP. Winning the MVP and just um, having fun with it as well. And that's what's uh, even better is when you can see a smile on those players' faces throughout the whole game. In another standout of the day, Steph Curry also won the three-point mm. contest with a record 31 points. That showed his uh, superior shooting once again. Yeah, and did it in a bit of style where you can just tell that it was it was easy for him almost. Um, if you just watched his facial expressions and his body language, it was quite incredible. UFC 259 also took place over the weekend with a packed card. 
Uh, Pole Yan Blashwitz defended his light heavyweight belt in the process, handed Kiwi Israel Adesanya his first defeat um, in UFC. Um, as Adesanya was coming, was attempting to become the UFC's fifth double champion. So the pole um, coming out on top in the heavyweight battle there. Brazilian Amanda Nunes, just again, I guess she's the GOAT at the moment in terms of the women's game. Yeah. And, and there is talk of her being the greatest UFC fighter ever. Um, defeated Australian Megan Anderson, the fight only lasting two minutes as she showed wow. a superior uh, skill and strength. It was the 12th straight victory by Nunes, so she's just looking unbeatable in, um, in, her, in her UFC fights. In the most controversial moment of the night, though, Peter Yan um, looked to set to, to set to defend his bantamweight title against Alamein Sterling, but was disqualified in the fourth round after an illegal knee, meaning Sterling was awarded the win and the belt. So um, some big fights over the weekend, and then obviously some controversial moments there with Peter Yan, Jono. Yeah, definitely some controversy there, but I mean... You look at it from my perspective. There's, there's no saying that that's not an illegal hit. You know, you can't, you can't deny that. So, great job from the, from the, um, from the ref and crew there, the officials, um, to make sure that they called that fight the correct way and didn't let that kind of go on. And and they stood, and even, um, you know, making a, an example of that kind of behavior as well, and making sure that, you know, these other fighters know that they can't be taking cheap shots like that when somebody's down. Definitely, I guess today in Australia um, marks an important day. It's International Women's Day. Um, here in Australia, and obviously it's going to be celebrated worldwide as well. Um, I guess International Women's Day, we look at obviously um, some of the impact and the important role women play within our society. Um, one of those areas is sport. Yep. Um, and obviously we've seen and we've discussed before the growth of women's sport, not only here in Australia, but, but globally as well. Um, Jono, in terms of um, looking and, and recognising International Women's Day, I guess what have been... What are some of the moments and obviously some of the key figures that you've seen, especially within the sporting world, um, from a female perspective in terms of growing um, not only female teams and codes, but also um, the individuals within those codes? Yeah, so for me, you know, I kind of thought about this and took a look at some of the most influential women within with sport in, in this year and even in the past. And two really stood out for me currently. Um, essentially, it's one current player and then one who's kind of sitting more in a box office seat um so in terms of the player i really think that naomi osaka really has been um standing out to me as of late you know what she's been doing on the tennis arena is fantastic um in the manner in which she does it she's not cocky or anything like that so really good um image for those young tennis players to kind of look at in an idol but it's also what she's doing off the courts as well um it's that social activism it's standing up for those rights and not being afraid to speak for someone who's actually quite shy and i think that we saw that at the beginning of her career how shy she can actually be but yet she's really almost found her voice um in a lot of um the movements that have been happening particularly in the black Lives matters movement um she's been one of the most i would say vocal athletes male or female to kind of stand up and and speak among these issues and I also think that besides speaking on these issues, what she's really doing as well in terms of empowering other women is quite great. We've mentioned it before, um, her buying into a professional soccer team in America is just another way for her to support the other female athletes within the sporting realm. It's great to say. Yeah, and it's it's not even within her sport, which is another amazing thing that she is a current athlete in, in the tennis world. She could be trying to start organizations within there, but instead she decides to put her 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 money, her time, her effort into another sport as well because she sees that that what got her to this point was support by other females. Um, 
So I think that's a really, really big thing to look at. And, um, and she's just been on a roll in my eyes in terms of, like I said, on the court and off the court activities. And then really for me, I think another, another person who really stuck out, stood out to me is, um, is actually part of the coaching staff for the San Antonio Spurs is Becky Hammond. Now, the reason why I do mention her name is because I think that's going to be a household name here coming up pretty soon. Um, so she's an assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs. She was the first full-time assistant coach. Uh, or full-time female assistant coach to be hired in the NBA and also in the top four major sports within the, in the North America as well. And I think why I'm kind of mentioning her is what she's doing is she's providing a platform for other women to come through the sport um, and not just in the NBA, but in all different sporting arenas, showing that it doesn't matter your gender, you can continue and you can be dominant at any level. And it so isn't I think always it's an just, important message. Oh, definitely. And I think that what she's doing is she's showing a glimmer of hope to those other athletes and those other coaches as well that want to break into, you know, the, the male game as well. Um, and I think that, you know, she's probably one of the premier candidates for any job opportunity that's going to be coming up in the NBA. And that's why I really wanted to mention her is because you're just going to see more and more of her. I think it's just kind of started for her. Yeah. And, um, and she's really set a, a really great positive example for everybody, whether that's a child wanting to play or whether that's somebody wanting to really break into the coaching scene. So I think that for me, those two have been extremely important. Similar to you, John, I've, uh, I've gone for two uh, current athletes, mm. uh, two different sports though. So one, I guess, from an Australian perspective and then mm. one more from an international perspective. I've gone actually for Sam Kerr yep. um, because for what she's done for Australian football here in Australia and also her global impact. Yeah. Um, she's now one of the most marketable, not only football or female athletes in this country, but athletes regardless of gender um, in terms of recognizable, in terms of interest that she attracts. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, we've got the, the Women's World Cup coming here um, in two years. So she's been one of the big driving forces yeah. behind that and obviously be one of the faces um, of that campaign. And then obviously what she's doing over in the English Super League um, for Chelsea. Where she's amazing. one of the star players over there. Um, so I think what Sam Kerr has done is has really um, not only she obviously is now an idol for young females who want to pursue football as a career, um, but also for just young males um, or young sport fans, she is an idol for them. She, it's not just the, I guess the uh, the men team now. It's also Sam Kerr. Um, people want to play like her, and people want to go and watch her so i think she's been immense in terms of football development here in australia it's the way she represents the sport as well especially when she puts on that national team jersey it's the way that she presents herself and represents like you said it's an example for both females and males and the other one i have mentioned just earlier she was involved in ufc 259 but i think what amanda nunez regardless of what you think of ufc is Mm. it's not everyone's cup of tea in terms of the brutality of the sport but what she has done as a female athlete within that sport is, is quite amazing to be now talked of as not only the GOAT within the female category of UFC, but potentially the greatest UFC fighter of all time by the time she retires is something quite immense. And when you think of um, some of the great fighters and fighters that are still there, um, she is obviously a dual belt holder, bantamweight and featherweight. And she's almost created her own league within that women's, uh, within those women's belts where it doesn't seem like anyone can get close to her speed, her strength, is just so much above the, her other athletes, which is quite amazing to watch and, and why she's so dominant. As I mentioned before, she's won 12 straight fights um, and she's just had a baby as well. So in yeah. terms of she's, she's showing that you can be a mother and mm. still be the number one, especially in a 
sport like UFC where your physical shape yep. is so important. Um, I just think it's amazing what Amanda Nunes has done. I think she really has uh, paved the way for other females um, within that sport. Yeah, and I think that you actually brought up a really good point in terms of females in general. And the ones that stand out are those ones as well that can go off and have their personal life and have a child and give birth and then come back into that sport at an elite level. Um, I think that sets a great example for women that they should not be discouraged by those kinds of things and they should just keep pursuing things regardless of their life situation. Um, but yeah, what she's doing, you're right, is is unbelievable and the dominance in, in how she's doing it is just next level. Absolutely, it's amazing. This week, the NRL kicks off here in Australia. Today's the National Rugby League competition. It's back. Um, here in Australia, it's back. It's been a... Been a long summer waiting around for it, but he's back this Thursday night. We've got a cracking game to start with. Yeah. Melbourne Storm versus the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Jono, it's been a long wait, but uh, it's great to have football back this week. Yeah, definitely good to have it back. Um, like you said, it's uh, to start the season off, it's big, big heavyweights going against each other. So I think it's just going to start the season in a great way. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how, how things kind of shape up in this first round to kind of set the tone for the rest of the season. Um, we've seen some things kind of happen on and off the field and we'll kind of see everything then start shaping up in terms of uh, getting the season under the way, but really exciting to see it back. I guess one of the biggest uh, headlines or storylines that has sort of continues through the preseason and, and sort of continued um, up to the start of the season is whether Cameron Smith will return mm. to the Melbourne Storm. He hasn't come out and confirmed whether he's retiring or playing on or, or what he's going to be doing. Um, the Storm will actually be lining up this Thursday night for the first time in 19 years without Cameron Smith. Um, um, how do you think... A situation like this would be handled, say, in America, John. Say, if a Tom Brady or a yeah, LeBron James yeah. left it up to the season kickoff in terms of announcing what they were going to do. How do you think uh, the media would handle it over there? Yeah, I mean, when you speak of Cameron, Cameron Smith, the only one that I kind of think of is that Tom Brady kind of figure and what he's done at New England as well is very similar to what Cameron Smith has been able to do um, for Melbourne. And, yeah, I mean, just leaving it <laughs> that close into the season is just crazy and you know from from melbourne's perspective as well to replace somebody like that it's just not going to happen no one's going to be able to replace what he was able to do um i mean i think the media would have a field day with it at this yeah, point yeah um putting pressure left right and center on everybody on the organization as well as as well as him um as an individual but um yeah it's just going to be really interesting because you know what are they going to do to really fill that gap I mean, they do have Harry Grant uh, coming mm. back from the Tigers. Obviously, he had a great year um, for the Tigers last year, and I think he will be, um, he will fill his, he'll obviously not be a Cameron Smith, yeah, yeah. but I think he's going to be a great player, and he's got so many years there. Obviously, at the moment, he's injured, so he will not be yeah. involved in Thursday night. Yep. Um, but I just think if there is a club that can handle um, a plan after Smith, even though he's been such a uh, figure up there and, and such a, uh, a mentor. Um, I think it is the Melbourne Storm. And I think the other keys they've kept on to Craig Bellamy, um, who is going to be there another year, which I think is another key uh, piece in the Melbourne um, the Melbourne club. Well, it's also been that thing around, just like we said with Brady, that there's always chatter about when is the retirement going to come. So it's almost like there's been that time to partially plan. Of course, when it happens, it's still going to be a shock when it happens. but um, And you're still going to have to go and replace and figure out a way to win. But um, there's been that time where it's kind of been, okay, what, is this the year? Nope, one more year. Is this the year? So we'll see how they have prepared because potentially it's going to happen. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, the first few se- first few games of the season, obviously, um, teams need to get into their rhythm. You do have trial games, but it's 
doesn't compare to playing no, for two competition points. Um, I am excited though this year because I do believe um, there are a few teams that could potentially win this premiership. Um, I know South Sydney Rabbitohs have been talked of hotly this year. and Latrell mm. Mitchell has looked great in yep. pre-season. Um, so they are a potential, potential winner. Obviously, Wayne Bennett's still at the helm there for the Rabbits. Um, you've got the Canberra Raiders, um, who obviously lost last year's grand final. So they'll be obviously back under Ricky Stewart's guidance. Um, and they've kept most of their same squad from last year. So they should be, um, again, up there. Obviously, you've got the Melbourne Storm. Um, mm. I just They're just such a... Are such a club and, and still got such class and points in them. Um, yep. And obviously defensively, they're still so strong. So I think the Melbourne Storm will again be up there. A team that I actually think could potentially struggle a little bit more this year is actually the Sydney Roosters. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the departure of Cooper Cronk is a massive uh, hole in their um, hole in their system. What do you reckon? How do you think the Roosters are looking this year, John? And obviously, they're... They're still such a... They've still obviously got your talents of, say, James Tedesco, Jake Friend in yep. number nine. Um, but do you think the Roosters could have potentially um, find it a little bit more difficult this year? Well, I mean, it's going to be similar, I feel like, almost to last year, how it wasn't necessarily the Roosters of past that they just win with ease. Um, but I do think as well that this year they're going to be in every game regardless. I don't think there's necessarily going to be one team that you can say, oh, okay, you can't put... You can't, you know, turn your head and say, oh, Roosters are definitely going to um, win or lose. So I think that they're always going to be in the game. I do think, I think you're right. They're going to struggle. There's some other teams out there that I think overall defensively and attacking wise are, are all around better. Um, but it will be kind of interesting how they progress and if they kind of can regain that championship mentality and that form from the last couple of years because it's kind of dropped off in that sense. You can't go from winning basically and always being that favorite team to, to not. And now you need to kind of kick it up a next next um, next level there and um, keep progressing, keep moving forward. There is a player that I would keep an eye on at the Roosters, um, which I potentially could be one of the breakout stars this year, Joseph Suwali. Mm. Now, he was chased by rugby, um, and he was a South Sydney player. He's changed over to the Roosters, but there are big hopes on, on Joseph Suwali, so I will keep an eye out on him this year, and um, he could be a potentially a big breakout star. So the Roosters, um, even though with the loss of Conk, they do have some great youngsters coming through their system as well so uh always exciting to see some new talent um coming into the league so you're mentioning a couple of big names there so where are we thinking that everything's going to shape up where is our definitive let's give it like a top eight where are we going with that all right so you got we all my top eight all right this is seb's top eight make sure we listen to this at the end listen. of the season as well so i actually think uh south sydney will finish top i think um if latrell mitchell um, is fit mm. and playing anywhere near the form that he showed when he was at the Roosters early mm. on, um, especially when he won those couple of premierships. I think true, he's going to be um, a massive uh, benefit for the for the Rabbitohs. Um, also, the signing of Benji Marshall as a bit of a utility off the bench, I think, could really um, add something to to the to the Rabbitohs and give some experience in and around the halves. I mean, even playing possibly some number nine. So I think that could be a actually not a bad signing by mm. the Rabbits. And, and obviously, you've got the uh, the great coach Wayne Bennett. So I think uh, the Rabbitohs are primed for a big year. I yep. think Melbourne will come, will finish second. Okay. I just think the system up there, and you've still got Pappenhausen um, at fullback. Um, obviously, as I said, you've got Harry Grant coming in at number nine, who looks like he will play as Cameron Smith. So I still think they've got a lot of stability up in that club, yeah. and you've still got Craig Bellamy. I think Canberra will finish third. Again, stability coming around their club, and I think they're primed for another tilt at the Premiership under Ricky Stewart. I think Penrith, a fourth. Mm. Um, obviously, one of the big um, improvers last year under Ivan Cleary. 
um, and some great young players out at the foot of the mountain. So I think Penrith will come in at fourth. Now, my fifth team, there's no bias here, but I actually firmly believe, and I know we've been ridden off, but I think the Sea Eagles <laughs> are going to be in for a big year this year. I think, <laughs> obviously, the loss of Tom, Bravoy- Tom Travojevic for the first four weeks is a massive loss for us. He... he could be the difference between a top eight and a bottom eight for, for the Seagulls. He's that important to yep. the team. But I'm also going to be intrigued to see the signing, how the signing of Kieran Fawn works out. Now, we've only signed him on a one-year deal, um, not on a huge amount of money. But Des Hasler, I wonder if he can get some of the best form out of Kieran Fawn. He may not be the player that he was a few years ago when he yep. guided us to a premiership, but his experience, um, especially around some of the younger guys in the group, could be invaluable. And it'd be great to see Kieran Fawn have a year where he's not as injury-prone. So... Yep. Um, that's a little it's bit a of a sleeper team yeah. there. I like it. I like it. I think it. the Titans will finish sixth, and I think they will be the best okay. Queensland team. I think they're going to be. They they really improved at the end of last year. They've signed yep. some big players um, over the off season. Um, so I think the Titans will run in sixth. I think the Roosters will finish seventh. Wow. Yeah. Which I, I'm I'm sure most pundits probably won't agree with me, but I actually think the Roosters, as I said, I think they'll make the eight, but I don't think it'll be smooth sailing yeah. for the Roosters this year. And I think the Eels will scrape in and finish eighth. That is my top eight. Um, We'll see how at the end of the year how that's looking. <laughs> um, but that's going to be my top eight, I think. And I think, to be fair, I think the Broncos, Dragons, and Sharks are going to yeah. be in for a long year this year. I don't think... I think the Broncos, under Kevin Walters, I think they will improve. So I was going to say, you think that they're going to have a better... I, I mean, think they will improve. Better, I think yeah. Kevin Walters uh, could be the right man to change yeah. the culture up there. Um, but I just don't think they have the squad. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how Brodie Croft goes in at number seven as well, guiding that team around. Um, and I think the Sharks and Dragons are just in a period where they are, they're going to be dropping off a little bit. Interesting to see how Jake Bird goes at the Dragons after a bit of a nightmare period um, up at Brisbane. Um, but I think those three teams could be in for a really tough year this year in the NRL. Dragons, a big club to be uh, floating down the bottom like that. and They uh, are. I mean, I hope... I mean, it's always great to see the Red V flying. Yeah. Um, but I just think this year they're... There's something lacking in that team. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they go. So, but I, that is my uh, prediction. So we'll, we'll revisit this sort of halfway <laughs> through and see how that's looking. We'll, we'll certainly take a look at Manly as well and see how, how far up. And if there's any bias here, uh, there's putting no bias. Putting up that far. I think but, the uh, Seagulls could be in for a big year. We're going to surprise a few people. <laughs> so we'll see oh, how man. we go. Um, all right, Jono, as always, we'll end with some questions. So five quick questions for Jono. As always, he has not seen these questions. Not at all. Um, ready to go, Jono? Let's do it. All right, so with Fulham's win over Liverpool, will they avoid relegation from the Premier League? Oh, look, I actually, for me watching that game, I actually thought I saw a lot of passion, like I said, from Fulham. So I would love to see that. A team that's going to take on Liverpool and just put a fight to them. Um they deserve a little bit more. And I think they've actually been all right this year. I don't think that they've been as bad as where their record sits. So I really do hope for their sake that, that they um, do avoid it. And I, I think that they will. Yeah, I think Scotty Parker's yeah. done a great job over there. Yeah. They're actually looking the best of that bunch down there. Champions League return this week. Juventus 2-1 down after the first leg. Appalling over in Portugal. Yeah. Can they turn it around in Italy, Jono? Look, Juventus is my team. They're everything. But... You know, I, I want them to, but for some reason, I have this thing in the back of my mind saying that something bad is going to happen. They might not. So, look, I'd love to see them do it, of course, because that's who I support. But for some reason, it's like this whole season, I've just had an itching feeling in the back of my mind that something's going to happen. And look, Serie already looks kind of out of reach and now potentially Champions League. So I'm hoping that we can move through because it's the only thing that we might have. This could be the time for a certain Cristiano Ronaldo to step, step up, up once again. We'll see. 
Now, a bit of an interesting one. Could Steven Gerrard be Liverpool manager next year? There are some oh. rumours floating around, but would it be too early for him? I think it kind of goes double-edged here. Is it going to be too early for him to go to Liverpool? Because I do think that one day he, you know, he will be managing it. But it's also too early to give up on Klopp. Um, I think it kind of depends as well with Klopp in terms of, you know, he's been floating around that he might want to be that German um, national team manager. So if there's a potential for that, because I just can't see Liverpool also, unless Klopp really does want to step down, um, them turning their back on him at this point. So it might be a little bit too early, I think. I agree. But possibly, you know, possibly in a couple of years here, could could definitely happen. Be huge. Now, will you, you will you be making your way down to the best stadium in Australia, the beautiful Brookvale Oval this year, to watch the mighty Seagulls, Jono, on the hill, watching on a Sunday afternoon? There's no better scene in Australian sport, Jono. Well, 5.30 in Sydney. What else are you going to be doing? Of course, you got to try and make an effort to at least get down there. So we'll see. I'll make a bit of an effort, but... um. Yeah, we'll see. It uh, kind of will uh, start off your predictions. We can see first round. You might be uh, might be already up for something. So, and last one. Did you like the NBA All Star Weekend played over the one day rather than broken up? Yeah, in terms from a viewership standpoint, I actually did. Um, where I can just put it on and watch everything. I didn't have to spend a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night kind of uh, watching everything. Because as fun as it is, you know, it takes so long for everything. You know, you really only want to see bits of it. Um, but I did definitely like that it was all compressed into one day. I think it was a good format to do that, and I think maybe moving forward they should think about that, kind of do it as an all-star day instead of all-star weekend. Still have some of the events in that city, but in terms of from a viewership standpoint, I think they should have it all in one day. It was certainly easier to view and and seeing it all in one day. All right, that brings to close another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, thank you for your support, and good night.